Hey, this is Paul, and I just wanted to say thanks for your patience uh, as we uh, took a while to get this uh, episode out, and also that uh, due to some recording errors and uh, issues that we had the second half of the episode, um, the audio quality isn't as good as we prefer, but we were having so many issues that we just had to kind of go with what we had. so yeah, we will be back very soon with the first in our series of uh, episodes about Persona 5. But for now, here is our final ep on Strange Journey. And just one more note, um, we recorded this before uh, Atlas announced that Deep Strange Journey, a 3DS remake of the game, was coming out. So if you notice that we're not discussing it, that is why. Alright, on with the show. Welcome to Megaten Marathon. It's a game-by-game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. And in this game, in this episode, we are long at last finishing off Strange Journey. Uh, I'm Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Evan. And I'm Chris. I guess for the record, I'm Brian. Just so we, just so we're clear, anyone who's starting in this episode, part four of a four-part series. So, and what? Uh, does anybody want to, you know, does anybody want to go deep in into the past and talk about what happened in the uh, previous episode? Well, before we do that, I have a very solemn correction to issue ah. for last episode. Most episodes of the Twilight Zone are indeed half hours. Just some are hour longs. Sorry. So I was, so I was technically correct. The best you correct. Um, that's cool. It's okay. I still liked that that exchange at the end of the last episode. I don't know, Paul. Let me see if I can remember my best. So uh, up until now, you were sent to the Schwarzfeld to investigate this weird shit going on and. It's a consume in the bottom of the earth. Demons are appearing. Um, you uh, conquered six whole dungeons of varying degrees of difficulty. Stopped a man from experimenting on demons. And, uh, you know, you still got to deal with Mustema, the angel man. And, uh, you know, your your chaos and law buddies are increasingly becoming transformed and terrifying monsters. So we should probably take care of that, too. Uh, and we'll probably get out of the Schwarzveld at some point. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a spoiler. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it depends on the the path you take, really. Yeah, I don't actually know how this ends exactly for you law and chaos guys, so I'm, I'm curious to hear it. I assume okay. it's not great. The, you can kind of, I'm sure you could, if you thought real hard about it, kind of guess what happens in the chaos ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering what they tell you is going to happen, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like it's going to be super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not. And the law ending isn't very much fun either. I mean, it's technically, sad. the neutral ending is a bit of a downer too. But... Yeah, I don't think anyone, much like this podcast, I don't think anyone leaves the end of this game especially happy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, also so, in um, in sort of related news, I finally played a Megami Tensei game that I hated. So that was that oh was yeah, fun. that's true. We finally broke Evan. We broke his streak. It was the last Bible for the Game Boy Color, and it might be one of the worst Game Boy games I've ever played. It was <laughs> just thoroughly unpleasant, top to bottom. <laughs> um, I so, looked into so it they a didn't little. save the best Bible for the last Bible. No, they did not. They, the Bible peaked uh, with the sequel. Oh, okay. Um, I looked into it a little more, Evan, and apparently that game is actually relatively easy to beat if you just want to sink the time into it, but hmm. yeah, that's not really a point in its favor, is it? No, definitely not. <laughs> the Dead Sea Scrolls are my favorite iteration of the Bible, but most people haven't seen them. <laughs> I'm just, sorry. I, it's I just where resist. you find a game that is like unpleasant to look at, listen to, and just interact with. Just everything about everything about it, all your senses with that game is just unpleasant so that was fun <laughs> i wish i'd watched the stream now so i knew it was so bad about it <laughs> uh, the music got really good about halfway through but other than that it was pretty bad so uh we're deep down in the dungeons now we've gotten all the way to sector grooves um i don't really recall wh what our last directive was though or what we're searching for at this point. Uh, so at this point, there are four mothers, each of which has a type of exotic matter uh, that we believe we can use to um, key the vanishing point, which is the singularity in, I think, Sector 4, Nax. Um, um, the, the, the vanishing Eridinus? point in C is in E, yeah, Eridinus. Okay, yeah, Eridinus. Um, um, yeah, then we... I think we don't actually get that information, though, until we talk to Mastema and Gruz. Because okay. I, think, I think it starts with find the foreign, find the exotic matter... And then we find out about the mothers through our search for the exotic matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so far we'd found two pieces of exotic matter and Commander Gore had gotten very, very upset at us and uh, then got really confused and ran away. So there is a Gore zombie somewhere that doesn't know what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. So should I start us off at uh, Sector Gruz? Yeah. Do it. Mm-hmm. Bring the pain. <laughs> All right. Well, Gruz is a sector of illusion with lots of fake walls that disappear when you get close to them. And um, it's also basically just all the areas are palette swap versions of the older sectors. So yeah, I, I think this is where we brought in the joke about this is the sector that represents sloth because mm -hmm. it uses the asset repetition. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's basically just a, uh, a journey through all the old hits. So, But bluer now. Yeah, it is, exactly. It is weird that this late in the game that the next two dungeons require you to pay more attention to the top screen with what's going on in the dungeon than ever before. Yep. I mean, that's that's kind of... I think that's typical escalation for Etrian Odyssey type stuff, but yeah. I think yeah. this is also the the point at which the dungeons stopped being fun for me. Oh, absolutely! Gruz is a is a is a slog, and then uh, Hologorium is a train wreck. <laughs> yep. I didn't have that much trouble with them, but you guys only did the easy half of Gruz too, because you, you don't even <laughs> get the hard half until you're in New Game Plus. <laughs> so yeah, in New Game Plus, every dungeon is like double as long, and Gruz is already awful in uh, New Game. It's in just New it's just Gruz. There's a basically you do 
everybody, all of us played the first half of Groose, but in New Game Plus, there is just the same dungeon, but on the right side of the dungeon this time. It's mirrored, exactly, pretty much. It's mm-hmm. a little different, but, yeah. And uh, it, it has a boss at the bottom that you are not going to beat. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um... So yeah, Jimenez is left as uh, under observation for uh, now uh, being half demon or being merged with the demon, and uh, Zelenin is acting all weird and distracted as well. And you're finding signs that the angels are planning an attack. Um, deeper in the first floor, you find Mastema, and uh, Mastema is saying that uh, this area is filled with illusions generated by the demon in charge. The angels are using these illusions to hide from the demons, and they're uh, kind of collecting there for the final battle with them. And uh, Zelenin has a pretty dim view of uh, her former mates in the uh, investigation team. She thinks it's full of uh, infighting and division. And uh, that the team no longer has what it takes to succeed um, because they were their hearts were tainted by the demons. And uh, Mastema blames those problems on trust and says that humans are foolish to trust each other and they should instead trust in God. Uh, he says, it would be best if you had a way to guide people's hearts that involved neither demons nor lies. Uh, so then Massima takes off, Arthur calls your crew back to the Jack's, or to the Red Sprite, and there's a problem over at Jack's base. Um, and it turns out that they've, uh, started their demon experiments up, up again, and they use them to overpower the supervisors from the Red Sprite. And, uh, Ryan, Jack's number two man, calls to tell you that he's killed your crewmates and taken back the lightning. So let me let me say something about this whole section right here. Mm-hmm. This is pointless. This is a hundred percent pointless. Why is this in the game? This is padding. hundred <laughs> percent. This was the most bizarre part too, because like I was expect. So I remembered this dungeon a little bit, but I was like, wait, is there really another dungeon where they send you to actually like explore and fight and do stuff in this old area again? I don't remember that. Then it turns out when you go back to the HQ, like it's literally just. Hey, here's the old dungeon with all the old monsters. None of them are leveled up. And you're just going to walk through it, do some stuff, get some dialogue, and then walk back out. Yeah. it's It was very strange. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, you hit this plot point the first time so that they can give Jimenez his moment to, like, you know, get his mid-season upgrade and also represent his thing. But then they're like, oh, shit. We forgot that we forgot about Zeladin. Let's just rerun that plot point, except for her this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So Jimenez uh, chastises you for leaving Jack's crew alive, and he says, "It's kill or be killed." Now let's get our counterattack going. And uh, Zelenin is not into this. She says, "What good is it for humans to fight one another?" And she has a secret plan for a way to lead men's hearts and wants more time to develop it. And so going back to to early in the game, uh, there was a brainwash gun that was developed. And uh, she wants to um, go back and uh, with this technology and work up a plan with uh, Mastema. 
Um, so back in Gruz, you can now enjoy, explore the Angel's Sanctum and Hideout. And there's no more uh, illusory walls. Uh, Dark Souls term there. But uh, way more, there's way more like teleport tiles. Mm-hmm. And you come across Mastema again, and uh, he's like, what do you think of our holy fortress? We're consolidating our power, which, you know, no shit. Um, and Zelenin pitches her plan to deal with Jack's crew. And Mastema doesn't like how unpredictable humans are, which he's already stated. Uh, he says, drunk on freedom, the good in their hearts withers away, leaving only an evil husk. And he tells you that only a hymn from an angel will soothe their minds and guide them to the Lord. It really does tell you what kind of a guy this is. And he's like, you guys have just way too much freedom. It's ruining your minds. (laughs) Um, So, you know, he says that he can turn humans into angels. And uh, Zelenin takes him up on this right away. And, uh, yeah, so Zelenin, uh, transforms much in the way that Jimenez is transformed into a new being where, uh, she puts on this like giant kind of cravat thing that's like (laughs) sticking up, um, and kind of has like, you know, she has this kind of like David Bowie in the late seventies, early eighties kind of quality to her. Um, And so you go back to the uh, Red Sprite, and everybody's impressed by Zelenin's new uh, plumage. And um, she's not talking like she's part of the team anymore. And Jimenez is uh, smelling a rat. And uh, he's like, is she doing it for our sake or hers? And uh, he tells her not to talk to him because her voice is like a nail to his head now. And uh, Arthur is really unfazed by this. He's just like, oh, looks like Zelenin transformed, too. All right, moving on. <laughs> I just want to say that I love that turning into an angel works on Dragon Ball Z logic, where her hair gets <laughs> a bit longer and her outfit changes, and she gets a little bit more of an attitude. And that's it. <laughs> it was funny that Jimenez is all like, wait a minute, she's not part of the team anymore, because he's about five minutes from being like, you know, we should destroy the Earth. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, so with uh, Zillin back and with her new magical voice that can purify humans, uh, you head back into Jack's HQ. Uh, like I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, this is not really another dungeon. It's just, if you remember uh, how that dungeon was laid out, if you played the game, the dungeon is basically two floors. Uh, one floor has like some hidden doors and stuff. The other floor is basically a ring with some healing and... You walk around to the other side of the ring, you fight some low-level demons, you get a little cutscene in front of the lightning, where uh, Zelenin basically stands outside of the ship and starts just yelling, like, Sons of man, stop your sinful deeds and hear me! And then she sings in an otherworldly voice, and the crew of the lightning just stumble out, uh, praising the Lord, begging for forgiveness, so, like, they basically just, like, lining up at the altar to, you know, confess their sins and turn themselves over to her cause. And, um... Uh, of course, because anything that she does or he does has to attract the other, uh, Jimenez shows up and, like, very, very freaked out. He says that Zelenin was turning those men into holy zombies uh, that were totally mindless. And uh, oh, um, I'm realizing now, uh, did you guys not fight Ryan? No. No. Oh, okay, so if you're on Chaos Path, you just kill him. You just kill him all. Huh. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because oh, you don't you don't use uh, Zelenin's help, so you just go in and mow down Ryan. It's the same boss fight as Jack, but he doesn't have the supporting demons, so it's really really <laughs> easy. That's weird. So I, I guess it's one of those dialogue choices, and where Zelenin and Zelenin asks you something, and you're just like, "No, I got it." Yeah, there's a there. She asked specifically, "Do you want me to use the song?" And on chaos, well, I guess maybe you don't have to. I think I think it's like if you do this, it helps you stay on chaos rather than uh, anything else. Gotcha. But, uh, you definitely the the canonical chaos path is you kill them all instead. And one thing we will mention a couple times is we'll we'll diverge and reunite a couple of times. There there are ways. Unless you're super, super hardcore law. I think law is the only one that you get locked in early. But um, there are ways to like change your path at the very end if you need to. Um, once, you, once you get to here on Chaos, you're more or less locked in. Once you get to... Because the gore interaction coming up is basically when you know if you're locked in or not. Gotcha. Uh, well, one thing I just wanted to kind of say off the top of my head. Um, I mentioned this to you guys before the recording. But uh, at this point, I was listening to... Um, uh, Mouth Silence by Neil Susarega whenever I was playing through this section. And on the way to work one morning, uh, the song he sings that is a mashup of We Didn't Start the Fire and uh, The End of the World as We Know It. And both of those songs have this part, uh, have these vocals that come at you very, very fast. It's almost like spoken word. And the way he wrote the song, his version of the song is, it's every other word from one song than the next with music in between each spoken word and trying to listen to that rapid fire with two separate vocal lines going makes it really hard to like think <laughs> concentrating on that song makes it incredibly difficult to hold like a verbal thought in your head and i, I was i was thinking about that the day after i played this segment i was like oh hey this is like zelenin's song so now in perpetuity anytime zelenin sings i think of this weird neil cicerega mashup so i loved your story about your wife and the uh, full house thing. <laughs> I'll share this other one just because it's too good not to share. So we're driving in my car. It's the day, the first day I'd ever introduced my wife to Neil Susurega. And she had kind of hated him before because all she knew about him was Smash Mouth jokes. Uh, just full disclosure, we walked down the aisle to um, uh, Promenade from Pictures at the Exhibition, at an exhibition during our wedding. And oh. he does a version oh, of Pictures at God. an Exhibition that is Smash, that is All Star by Smash Mouth. And she heard that, and she was very unhappy. So she didn't listen to him for like two years. Did I just That's... hear a groan in the background of the recording? It's <laughs> entirely possible. Maddie uh, is. I think it's that was Maddie. Maddie's playing Binding of Isaac. My wife is also on the other side of this computer router from me, sitting on the couch. So it could have been her. <laughs> uh, so she was already really hostile to it, but I managed to show her like. There's a song on Mouth's Moods called ACVC, which is. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. It. If you haven't listened to it, just listen to it. I'm not going to describe it because it's just too good. You have to listen. To and she's like, okay, this might be worth listening to. So we're listening in the car. And there's this one song on his first album that's – or I don't remember which album. There's, there's one song that's I just the full – I think it's the second. The second? I'm pretty sure. It's the full house theme, but like just that first like <laughs> stinger of it over and over again for almost two solid minutes. And after a minute of it, she was getting really fed up, so she skipped to the next song. The next song that plays starts off differently, but after a couple of seconds, it transitions back into that full house theme. <laughs> and she was just like, God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> I was losing my mind laughing. <laughs> Oh, she was really mad. <laughs> does, she under, does she appreciate the irony that this is exactly what those songs were designed for? Definitely. <laughs> and it, 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 the first time I listened to it, I thought that was funny, but I didn't. I didn't quite get the joke. Like 
I sort of got the joke, but I, until she did that and watching her react in real time and then watching her react to like af- – after it does that joke, it then transitions into like the closing music for every like movie, TV studio, the little yeah. single they would do after the credits. Just one after the other as like him just like tipping his hat like, I gotcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what pretty a, funny. Absolutely. Uh, so back back to this terrible um, sector. Uh so Jimenez is really mad that all the crew are holy zombies from the lightning. Uh, once once you're back on the lightning, nobody will listen. None of them will listen to anyone but Zelenin. Uh, she's basically controlling that whole crew now. Uh, she forces Ryan to release all the demons, and the demons, like obviously being like victims of experimentation and torture, some of them hate you. Some of them want to kill you. Other ones are really grateful for what you did. Uh, but um, the lead demon says that we're we're going to go to Mother Maya and try to find a place where us demons can live in safety. Um, and Jimenez, Jimenez decides like, well, I was also a victim of those same experiments. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with them because he's just so freaked out by what Zelenin is doing that he, he just goes. Uh, but as the demons are filing out, one of them kind of walks up to you and says like, Hey, be, be careful about Zelenin. Like that song that she's singing, that there's something very wrong with it. That's a very dangerous song. Watch yourself, which, Yeah. So um, this is kind of interesting. Uh, I think we brought it up a few episodes ago, but it is kind of an aspect of okay. Maybe this is getting weird again, but it is kind of a thing in um, evangelical faith that when you go to heaven, you do sing an eternal song of praise for God, and you're just kind of happy doing that. It's just a thing. (laughs) This is like a specific aspect of, of dogma that at least I'm familiar with. I'm not sure if. Yeah, oh, you guys definitely. have heard this one before. But, um, yeah, this it's pretty in line with, you know, pretty realistic beliefs about uh, <laughs> uh, people who believe, you know, they have a positive relationship with uh, with God. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff with Zelenin, like, for, for as weird as a lot of the, the theology <laughs> is in these games, like, in, in, in most, in the evangelical faith, angels and humans, like, Angels never become human, or humans never become angels. Like, that's not a thing. But, mm-hmm. like, the way that people talk that, that get turned by her, I've heard pretty much all of that growing up in churches. Like, mm-hmm. they got they got the language right. Yeah. Um, yeah, whoever localized it uh, definitely might have had some personal experience here. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, speaking of DS localizations, I was uh, listening to Watch Out for Fireballs, the Rocket Slime episode, very recently. And they were talking about how uh, the DS was kind of this wonderful golden era of localizations. Like, that, we got a lot of Japanese games and a lot of uh, really good people working on localizations during that mm-hmm. era. Like, yeah. They, it was just far enough away from the SNES era where we weren't doing that weird woollyism boulderization thing anymore, and either trying to go for a literal translation or, at the very least, something that matched the spirit of it. And that's you know, I you know, I I, I kind of want to do a deep dive on DS games because of that. Yeah, the DS was like a massive success in Japan. I think they gave it out to like some. I think it was like a a school, uh, like a, a school supply for some people. Really. Yeah, wow. yeah, like, uh, so, so there were, like, certain apps that ran in it and stuff that, uh, this could be, I, I could be wrong on this one, but I, I heard that it was considered, like, that some, that, uh, some schools did, you know, use DS software as part of curriculum in Japan, Weird. and so there were a ton of people making software for it over there, and a lot of that was wordy RPGs. 
Hmm. So, you know, it's just a good environment for that sort of thing to thrive, really. Very nice. So it was so, like an iPad before the iPad? Yeah, kind of. Hmm. So back to uh, back to this weird segment. Um, uh, so after everybody gets mind wiped and uh, Jack's crew is now more or less on your side and totally integrated into Zelenin's people now, uh, you head back to the Red Sprite and the crew's kind of freaked out. Uh, some of them are like, oh my god, this is this is what I've been looking for my entire life, and they join up with Zelenin immediately. Other ones are kind of freaked out and think she's gone crazy off the deep end and isn't really the, pe- the person that was part of their crew the whole time. Uh, meanwhile, Arthur did an analysis, and like probably everyone suspected at this point, uh, her song had the same sort of resonating signal that the MK gun from Delphinus had uh, in terms of how it affects human brainwaves, only it's much, much more powerful, uh, more powerful than anything they could possibly do. So, with that knowledge in mind, uh, yeah, you're planning to take on Maya, uh, but Arthur has no idea where where she is. So, again, like Maya's the mother of illusion. She could be anywhere. At which point, Jimenez conveniently pokes in and says, oh, by the way, I've been checking out this demon hideout, and it's great, uh, but you'll never find Maya. She's, she's, she's behind a locked sanctum. Here's the key. Bye. Oh, by the way, I left the scene too early. Here's the key. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, they, they kind of justified a little bit. He says that, um, uh, hey, you were such a really good friend to me. You were looking out for me. You helped me out. Just as a parting gift, here's this key so that you can try to make your way to Maya, mm-hmm. which – which seems like a bad thing to do, considering he is now living in a place that she created for him and other victims like him. But Yeah, it's an action that goes entirely against his own self-interest. It's pretty strange. <clears throat> so yeah, and that is the Jack interlude. So you go back to Gru's. And now you have the ability to go into Phase Shift B. Uh, we covered Phase Shift A earlier. I'm pretty sure almost every place where you could Phase Shift A, you can also Phase Shift B. You can. Um, and it's, you know, it opens up more paths, more doors, more treasure, etc. Um, you, so you travel down grooves down this way, and um, you basically go through a giant maze. It's filled with uh, one-way floors and teleports and all the fun stuff you've learned to hate. Um, and as you progress deeper, you eventually run into a demon, a Grendel, who... Uh, he tells you that he doesn't mind helping you get to Maya. He pities you, and if you somehow defeat her, that's fine. The strong will rule the world. His condition is that you kill all the humans who experimented on the demons. Okay, and this is the bit where you go and destroy Ryan, I guess. Uh, and um, Jimenez uh, is waiting for you after this. He says to take the deal, get revenge, and take a tool away from the angels. He says there are demons out there who need to co- who want to coexist with humans. After you talk to him, you go back to the Red Sprite, Red Sprite, and you find Zelenin shouting. Um, you help her gain her composture. Maya was sending her visions of her family and friends becoming demons and attacking her. So she wants revenge on Maya. Um, she says her song affects demons too, and she just needs to raise her output, and the demons become harmless. Um, so Arthur lays out two options: kill everyone or use the song of the demons. Uh, so this is, isn't this the, I'm confused. Is this not what the Ryan inter, interlude here? Again? Yeah, what, if you're in neutral, basically you go back to the ship, have like a little bit of a discussion with like, well, wait, should we align with the demons or Zelenin? Those both seem like bad things to do. Right. And essentially you end up deciding like, well, let's just kill Grendel, take the key and, you know, just kick this can down the road until a little bit later. I see. So you kill Grendel on neutral, and on law you help Zelenin use her voice here? 
Yep. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, she uses the voice. But basically, no matter what, though, I think you run into Gore at this point. Um, he's, uh, he's confused, he roars, and his demonica falls away, he's back in his tux. Um, it seems Maya was trying to get us to kill each other, but that shout of yours awakened my sleeping conscious. Yeah, this did not happen for me. I ran into Gore, yeah, at the same point, and then I had to fight Gore. He, like, took me back to the... Red Sprite, and I had a boss fight. Did you guys have to fight Gore? I assume not. I had to fight Gore. I had the same thing happen to me. I guess Gore is a neutral only character then. Which kind of makes sense, because he he, he was kind of portrayed as being like... The the whole thing with Gore, and there's some of this in the notes, some of it uh, didn't quite make it in, but the whole thing with him is, as the mothers are being defeated but one by one, if you're on the Chaos Path, you kind of agree with the mothers. If you're on the Light Path, you want... You effectively want to wipe out humanity and replace them with something much more obedient and logical. Uh, whereas Gore is always like, "Hey, I I know what these mothers know. Like I know I know what this sector really is, and I know how to kill it. Uh, I know how to kill the Schwarzwald." And so he, he he was always he's always propped up as kind of the the weaker neutral uh, yeah. power. Well, that's kind of what happens in this scene because when you yell at him, it breaks. It, it, like, breaks him from his link up with the demon mind, which I, I guess was probably the the mother's consciousness or whatever. Well, I, I, th- I think the thing he was saying was that he, you broke that when you killed the last mother, and he was, like, wandering around totally mindless. But I think he said, like, your, your shout awakened his consciousness, which was, like, lost and sleeping in this dead body. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because now is when he's, like, he's basically on your side. He's like, okay, I know this stuff. He's still basically got the same motivation he did when he was alive, like... You know, I want to destroy the Swords Weld and fulfill this mission. He's got a lot more personality as a zombie than he did as a regular guy, <laughs> <Definitely>. honestly. <laughs> yeah, so on Chaos Path, you definitely, you know, side with Jimenez and basically tell Gore to fuck off, and Gore doesn't like that answer, so you fight him. And and it's a pretty uh, simple fight. Uh, I had to grind for a gun, I think, just to make sure I had a specific weapon to fight a weakness, but it was pretty simple, more or less. Does he introduce himself as the Uber Gestalt here in the other paths, or is that neutral only? <laughs> I think that's neutral only. I never got that one. <laughs> no, he yeah. does that in the Law Path too. Oh, I definitely <laughs> had that because I was I spent some time looking up what the Uber Gestalt meant afterwards. <laughs> so either way, you either fight him or he helps you, and you are on your way to go defeat Maya. Yeah. Yeah, in neutral, it also at this point when like he's teaming up with you and is like, "Hey, we can we can handle this whole Schwarzwald thing." He also has a line I really like where he's like, "Okay, I've basically, with my knowledge, have figured out what's going down," and he says, "We basically brought this on ourselves." <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and, and you get some really really good like exposition here where he says like. Humans are not the first, like, sentient creatures to walk on this planet. Like, this has been a cycle for as long as Earth has been around, where a civilization, like, a creature evolves, rises up to form a civilization. Then, through their own corruption and greed, uh, they basically bring the Schwarzwelt on themselves, which then expands, wipes them out, and then starts the world over. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this has been happening for countless eons, uh, but we, we, we have the power to finally break that cycle. And the other cool thing is when they talk about the Ubergestalt, uh, I don't think you guys mentioned this because I, I don't know if he would have gone as much into this in this section for the uh, chaos and law. But he basically says, like, the mothers poured every single piece of knowledge that the Schwarzwald had uh, whenever they um, 
whenever they created him, whenever they brought him back. And even though he, his old personality has finally taken back over, all that knowledge is still there in his mind. And it's not just knowledge of um, – it's not just knowledge of the Schwarzwald and of what's going on now. It's perfect information about everything, uh, every possible past, every possible future, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and he confirms that the Schwarzwald is basically a blowback from all of humanity's built-up negative emotions and destructive impulses and, you know, willingness to just, you know, eh, use up the Earth's resources and figure out a solution to that later. You know, I was wondering about this when, when I was playing the end game um definitely the games that we've played so far but of all the smt games like this game seems to be the most like overtly like i don't know like political in a way or at least like you know like it's got some kind of like environmentalist message like yeah. implicit in it you know and i think that's really interesting because like i can't think of any other smt game that's like that directly at least that i've played it's like this directly what? like people going around talking you know like crazy like anarcho-capitalist points of view <laughs> and like yeah there are you a know, couple Alex, I think Soul Hackers goes there a little bit because the whole thing it's not as it's not like as directly like hey your corruption is causing all of this but like it's very much greed and there's a corporation that's doing everything, and uh, the tactics games that take place in Japan, um, uh, Devil Survivor, also is, is kind. Of, it kind of starts that same way. SMT four definitely does too. Is like specifically about you know who should oh, yeah. who should rule the world basically. Uh, not to disagree, but I didn't actually play it. But the way you guys described the ending of Shima, of Megami Tensei two seemed really specifically political about Japan's history. And the way That's that, true. and like the way that, uh, you know, uh, like fringe ideologies had been pushed out by like unity essentially and tying that to like, there's the whole Commodore Perry thing, modernization opposed to like nature spirits. And then like saying that unity is a source of like outside political force. Like that's, that is kind of really radical in terms of like Japanese national philosophy, but uh, I mean, I didn't play it. Just from the way you described it, it sound I really liked that. No, that sound yeah, that sounds about right. So maybe my thesis was somewhat incorrect, but I don't know. I it, it feels it feels correct. pretty it feels pretty on the nose in a few sections here, where it's like here's the greed section, and here's like the you know the I, I don't destruction that's locked right, on the earth and whatnot. Yeah, this is the first one that went as hard into. Um... Humanity is the problem. Uh, the other, the other ones, it was like th there were gods intervening in, like in Megami Tensei two and SMT one, like gods were intervening to bring action out on the world. In this one, it's it's kind of hard to say. Like, I don't want to spoil the ending till the end of the podcast, but like, it's kind of hard to say if any outside forces were even really involved at all in this, because everything here could be explained as mankind's own emotions causing all these problems. Yeah. The Demiurge quest kind of implies that, like, there's a little bit of an outside force, but it's more like a metaphor for the way humans relate to the Earth than anything. So, now, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> and you're not going to see the end of that quest anyway, because the Demiurge is too hard of boss. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I suppose, like, in the neutral path, you've got Gore on your side. Um... 
I don't believe that you have this in the law path, but I think you still have to go back. You, you still have to go back down to the bottom of Gru's. Either way, and you have to fight your way back to the first floor where Maya is. And um, these floors are kind of like the greatest hits from all the other sectors that you've been in. So, you know, basement one floor uh, has moving floors. Basement two has teleport tiles. Basement three is like big one-way door maze full of dead ends. And basement so eventually... really annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um, eventually you get back to the first floor and you find Maya and, uh, Maya looks like a lady made out of castles. <laughs> um, um, and she has some pre-boss, di- some pre-fight dialogue. And she said that she gave humans the ability to build so- society by dreaming of wonders and that humans only dream of death and des- desolation now. And she resents them for that. I don't know if this one really worked for you guys, but. That's kind of got to me a little bit when she's like, you know, you no longer dream, you no longer dream of beauty, and that's why, and that's why, like, I I can't be your mother anymore. And I was like, wow, I, I don't know, that really worked on me. <laughs> I, th- I think part of why it fell a little bit flat for me was also knowing like the other kind of things that her and the people around her are saying. Like, Asura also talked a lot about beauty. And the mm-hmm. type of beauty that, that these kind of creatures see is not a thing that I would normally consider to be very beautiful. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, she specifically says, like, back when you were, like, when humanity was first rising, like, you know, was, you know, rising out of the primordial lose or whatever. Like, I gave you the ability to dream of more. And that's why you are who you are now. I don't know. Hmm. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good, actually. I, I didn't think about it that that in that much detail, but that's, that's evocative. Um, so yeah, she counters your attack skills, so you can only punch and shoot her. Um, and, uh, she also does an attack all called evil vortex that turns your entire party into stone. Oh yeah. I I guess that's the other thing is you're going to see that pre-boss dialogue twice. If you immediately go into this fight and load up a bunch of elemental attacks because she responds to elemental attacks by immediately killing whoever cast it. So you're going to get to do it again then. That was fun to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So once you beat Maya, you return to the ship and Arthur starts to congratulate you. And then he shuts down and the three men from the beginning tame, take over the view screens and they're revealed to be the three wise men who are intercessors between humans and God. And they say, uh, hum- Maya has fallen and the false visions of this land have been dissolved. The time to reveal everything to your humans, to your humans has come. The earth perpetuates the odious cycles of foolish creatures, the reincarnation of cultures beyond saving. And, uh, yeah, they're talking about how cultures constantly rise and fall and they're wiped out by their own greed. Um, and they say that the path forward is to unify under a single Holy Spirit. And uh, weak-willed humans will be killed off, and the power of the angel's song will drive back, drive humanity to a new era. And then you hear, ridiculous, what kind of soul would wish for such a deathly world? And you find Luisa Fair is back. <laughs> <laughs> 
And she's just uh, hanging out in the ship saying, uh, nothing dies, nothing is born. How can a planet that doesn't even blink be said to have any life? Compelling argument. And uh, she does. She does have a compelling argument other than her path forward. She has carnage, <laughs> human sacrifice. So you know what's better than that? Constant explosions and fire. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, maybe. And she says, uh, when the earth is filled with demons, the life of a human will again have worth. And, like, generally I'm, like, more sympathetic to the chaos and neutral paths, even though I was playing Law Path in this game. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, this argument did not really sell me on the chaos path. She she comes at you with the anarcho-capitalism again. It's like, (laughs) that's not, no, no. She says, uh, your days will be beautiful ones where you polish your souls in a world led by free gods. Um, free gods so- sounds like – that's, that's <laughs> probably my favorite euphemism for demons. It's the free gods. Well, I thought it was kind of a reference to uh, what we were talking about in a free previous episode where, like, these are the gods of old that were uh, – yeah, the Megami oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, these are like the, you know, the gods that humans believed in before the, you know, advent of the Judeo-Christian god. I guess before the concept of monotheism took over. I, I mean, it is right. specifically referring to the Judeo-Christian god, but it's kind of like the idea of monotheism. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um... So Lennon comes back, and she says her uh, piece about following God and takes off. Some of the crew beg for her song and follow after her. And then Jimenez comes back, and he's got some choice words to say. He says, those ancient assholes and their stuck-up lecturing piss me off. But I'll tell you what, that, what, that chick said, what that chick after said really hit home. <laughs> you read like the shittiest audience plant ever, like, you know, that Louisa Fair person has some good ideas. <laughs> like, I, I love that just after this, after the devil walks in and pitches an idea, the one demon in the room is just like, huh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say we let him go. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> and then he says, a free life where if you die, it's your own fault. I guess he's a nihilist now. He's like, that's not too bad. I, I think it's an extended extended version of the like, oh, why do pills have child safety locks on them argument? <laughs> Uh, so he goes off to return to live with the demons, and some of the gr- crew joins him too. Uh, Arthur comes back online, and you are about to head to the final sector, Horologium. Uh, okay, I just realized something. Did Louisa Ferry ever show up again in Law or Chaos? Because that's the last time you see her in Neutral. She doesn't show up in Law. Um, she shows up, like, one more time before you go fight the final boss to, like, sort of say, good job. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she was just here to make the argument, and, you know, it's like, eh, they'll handle it. <laughs> okay, so, I next up, we got Horologium. The, uh, you get into the sector, everyone's like, hey, this is the end! For real this time. For really real this time. <laughs> Can I, you know what? Strange Journey uh, had broke. I'm getting real um, moving fl- flag post uh, <laughs> from this game. Like, I, 
Holorgum has like four different things that claims it's going to be the end state before you actually get to the final boss. And that's, like that's if it was possible game. for you to think that this game just went on endlessly and you would just keep on finding more and more German, uh, dungeons, you know, if that was like a pa- possible thing in the world, like I, I would have believed it at this point. It's like a dungeon train thing where you like yeah. go to the next car, fight the head, go to the next car, fight. Yeah, but uh, that would actually be not a bad trick, I guess. If the Schwartzwald was endless, I guess that could be say something. But... Do like would an SMT you... roguelike. Ooh, man. Be still my beating heart. Uh, <laughs> okay, but uh, so you get here, once you step out, the entire thing, it's like fire, and it looks like you're inside a volcano the whole time, is pretty much the visual motif here. Uh, let's see. And pretty much as soon as you get into the sector, <laughs> Arthur gets hacked. Uh, it's revealed in a minute that it's by uh, by Gore. I'm not sure if this happens for you lot law and chaos guys, but he shuts down. Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. Yeah, Gore shows up and like uh he calls you his crew again, like, you know, <laughs> being he's being real friendly. And uh gives you this big lecture about, oh, you've done such a good job getting here. This is this is really it this time. And uh the his voice invites you into the into the land I think he calls it the land of eradication or something like that. <clears throat> and everyone's pretty nervous about Arthur being offline because you know he's runs the thing that lets you breathe. I assume uh, the your first time in here, you basically just walk straight to the back, and there's an elevator that takes you down to the bottom of Horologium, where Gore, uh, which at the top it says Basement Nine, to give you a you know a helpful hint. You're going to have to go through nine more floors to get down here again. Uh, so Gore gives you this big lecture about, like, I, I've died, wandered, been abandoned, and now arrived at the place that will change our destiny. My journey through the Schwarzwelt ends here. You, uh, you did well to come here to the deepest reaches of the Schwarzwelt. Can you sense it? She is just beyond this door. We are upon the roots of the Schwarzwelt, Mother Mem Aleph. Uh, Mem Aleph, uh... And is not actually like a demon for many world mythologies or anything. It's kind of an original adaptation of an archetypical mother figure. Uh, Mem- uh, it's derived from like the letters, the equivalent letters for M or A, M and A in Hebrew. So you know, hmm. gotta throw in some Kabbalah in there. Just to, you know, would be uh, you know, can't can't do without it really. Works um, well yeah, it, it's kind of fun. And that actually explains a couple things later because uh, not to jump ahead too much, but um, there's an attack that she casts uh, later in the game just called MA, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. That, that makes way more sense. Yeah, it, it's I, I didn't know that off the top of my head. It's from the Megami Tensei wiki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you walk into this door the first time and you see a giant version of the unidentified enemy sprite that's like blue sparklies. And uh, Gore's like, check it out. It's pretty intimidating, huh? Let's get out of here before she kills us. Uh, once she, He says, once a placenta who birthed the souls of humans, she, she now curses them as a mother of destruction. Uh, you've grown much in your trials, one might say, that the fate of the investigative team rests on your shoulders. I mean, yeah, you might say that, because it is very literally true. No one else is going to do anything. Uh, he's And uh, he gives kind of like the, the watchwords for the... Uh, for the neutral path here. We humans, our potential is infinite. And I don't, I, I, I'm not sure if they, that's 
at least of the the Megami Tensei games I've played, that's kind of like always the theme of the neutral path. Or, like, the true ending from what I've seen, that, like, you know, humans have infinite potential and, you know, the journey is to realize it. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure Sorry, if it's, that's true in the ones you've played. Yep. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Gore comes back to the ship with you, and everyone's, you know, super happy to see him for once. Uh, he brings Arthur back up and uh, transfers... Uh, I think this is when he does the thing where he says he's transferring power to Arthur. Yeah. They're pretty vague about what power <laughs> is. But, um, no, 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 wait, no, he does the, he does the power thing at the end. He transfers power to you so that you can see Mem Aleph next time you get down there. Uh, because I guess you can't see her unless you're strong enough. Again, they just say power, it's super vague. It's kind of a weird plot point. Yeah, they were saying something when you were down there that, like, uh, he is only able to see her true form because he has that ability. I, I guess that ability to see, like, multiple timelines and have perfect information, and mm-hmm. you just don't have you, – you just can't do that. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, okay. You know, now that I think about it, okay, that actually is pretty thematically sound with what he – with transferring the thing to Arthur at the end. Yeah. Though that is a little weird because when you get it, it's not like you see the future or anything. But. I mean, we don't know that. <laughs> Like it may be that you you actually get to see the future, but you're just silent about it. <laughs> Maybe your character doesn't have enough personality to tell anybody about what he sees. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Arthur's back up, and he he um, tells the crew that he sees them saving saving the Earth from destruction by the Schwarzwelt, and he asks you a short series of questions here that basically lock you into your final ending. He says, "Do you want to host a demon in yourself?" And this seems like a this seems like a weird question. Like I, that wasn't really a possibility up until this point. I I didn't think. Uh, uh, so I was wrong. This is where you fight Gore in the Chaos Path. I got a little confused there. Um, oh, okay. If yeah, you say yes, does he fight you? So here's the thing. I was so locked into Chaos already that I didn't even get a question. I just got thrown into the fight. Oh, okay, okay. I got oh, you. Wow. Yeah, I, I assume you only really get the question if you're not... Like, I've been going hard chaos the entire game, so I guess I was just too... in. Like, my alignment was too locked in to even consider giving me the other options. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm curious... What, well, how how exactly does it re- he react in this scene, then? Okay, so, yeah, he, he asks you a few questions on neutral. Uh, would you, Do you want to host a demon in yourself? If you say yes, you're going to chaos... I assume he's like, well, I don't want you to do that, so he tries to kill you then. Uh, then after, if you say no, he says, well, you sing God's eternal praise. If you say yes, I guess same thing. Uh, if you And you tell him no, and he's like, cool, we can work together then. Here's what's going to happen. He tells you that the forces of chaos and law are fighting over the earth to get their hands on the power at the center of the Schwarzwelt. And uh, they don't really directly care about hum- about humanity at this point. Like... Get, getting killing humans isn't really going to accomplish anything for them. What they want, uh, what they want, is to acquire this, you know, special power to get, you know, give a new birth to the world. And he asks you, who do you think should have that power? God, demons, or men? And you know, you're supposed to answer men.
Okay, it has been several minutes now <laughs> since we were talking about Strange Journey, but I'm pretty sure... Yeah, we were in the scene where Gore was explaining to you what was going on. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, okay, yeah, and he's like, okay, this is kind of beyond humanity at this point, where people are looking for these four cosmic eggs in order to remake the world, basically. And you need to get them and turn and uh, get, a nu- get a nuke and then... Just, I guess, mash them together <laughs> and blow it up, and that will destroy the Schwartzwell. Um, so that's okay. Because the nuke approach has worked so well in the past. <laughs> yeah, but this time it's a cosmic nuke, so it's definitely going to work. <laughs> uh, I think. Okay, if there was anything else that we needed um, to talk about there, I uh, lost the, the, it. so so basically, just a couple things that we again because of the whole like time sync thing. Um, uh, whenever you decide, you're, whenever you tell him you're going to side with Min, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets him to uh, give up his final plan for destroying the Schwartz Vault. Uh, but he does tell you, he's like, you you do realize, I hope, you have chosen to side with the weakest power in this conflict, which mm. is kind of cool. Um, and the other thing that happens is once he transfers that plan to Arthur, uh, he basically says, like, I've reached the limits of what this old corpse can t- uh, can carry. Uh, this is a dead body. And my power can't reside in it anymore, and he just fades away. So Yeah, and I always kind of thought that when he said that you've chosen to side with the weakest power, he was essentially telling you that the neutral path was the hardest one to do. But it sounds like that might not actually be the case, from what you guys mentioned about yeah. the final boss of the other versions. Yeah, if nothing else, like possibly the chaos and definitely the law, because it sounds like the law has a harder pre-boss before the boss, final boss. But, um, yes... Yeah, maybe. So, um, with your mission in hand, you are now doing a thing that we're all very, very used to by now, which is going back to old dungeons to get some shit that we just heard about. Uh, we are now off off to, uh, yeah, get our cosmic eggs. And, um... More or less, all of them work the following way. Go back to a dungeon that you've already been to... Open a door that you probably saw at some point, but didn't have the door open, uh, a gate open ability yet to open. And go down that hallway until you meet a demon who, depending on your alignment, might fight you or might just give you the cosmic egg. If you're neutral, you have to fight everybody. Yep. Yeah, if you're neutral, yeah. <laughs> they are all mad at you. And it's basically the, the things you fight are either um, you fight an enemy from, you either fight a demon from Journey to the West. Uh, like Sun Goku or, or Wukong, or you fight an angel like a cherub. Um, there is one really hard fight in here, at least for neutral and potentially chaos uh, players, where when you go to the gigantic in Buotis, you have to take the uh, nuclear warhead. And uh, Zelenin says that she cannot let you take that. And you have a nice little boss fight where she has about 8,000 HP and casts a lot of non-elemental and nuclear damage at you. I don't know if it was her weaknesses or what, but she actually went down pretty quick for me. Yeah, this wasn't a hard fight for me either. I think my problem was, so she's weak to wind. I didn't have a lot of demons right then that were very, very good with wind attacks. Uh And she was the second in this series of bosses I had beat. And, like, Wukong went down in two turns. Uh, He was the one in Antilla. And, like, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not going to prepare at all for any of these. And then I ran into her, and I, yeah, and she was, she she was hard in the way that all the other ones were pushovers. Going back to boots, you know, it's always trouble yeah. there. <laughs> Nothing good happens in boots. And uh, so, yeah, you're not, not going to go too much into these because at this point, 
you don't need to hear about more weak demons with an elemental resistance that then say some boring shit about the egg. So there is one <laughs> wonderful part where you're deep in uh, either Karina or Delphinus, I forget, but you run into a random Nidhogger, and uh, he, he he tells you like, "Oh, I heard about these cosmic eggs. They sounded delicious, so I bit one. I don't recommend doing that." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty great. Oh. It's kind of and it's funny too because Nidhogger is like a level eighty some demon, way stronger than the boss demons that are actually protecting these things. <laughs> like Wukong and Zhu Yin are like. Mid fifties. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, other than the Zhu Yin and the Cherub, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. So let's see. Do you, do you mind if I do side quest wrap yeah, right yeah, now? Go for it. Okay. Basically, there's a. Okay. The thing with these side quests is um, a lot of them actually do do a fairly good job of preparing you with demons that are going to help you beat. Uh, in neutral case, Mem Aleph. Like, uh, okay, the Thoth Riddle quest, uh, I mentioned it a few times. If you do all of them, you can't answer the last riddle until you get pretty far into hor- Horologium. But once you've done them all, you have a sequence of books that give you a password code that lets you summon a uh, level 85 Seth that knows Mejidolon, which is, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, the last form of Mem Aleph is, like, strong to every. It, it's, it resists everything. So you kind of need Mejidolon. You're going to need strong demons with Mejidolon, or it's going to take you hours to get through that fight. Uh, And let's see. So there's a couple other quests that are uh, alignment-based. Like uh, if you go back to uh, Floor 3 of uh, Eridanus, there's... um, I'm not sure if you. I'm not sure if you guys did did uh, these at all. No. But like the left side has uh, these four guys on it. They're the four devas. It's like a. It, it's a thing. Uh, they're like Buddhist. They're Buddhist kings essentially. But if you beat them all, if you beat them all, you can only fight the last guy if you're law aligned. And once they're all in your demo, once they're all in your uh, registration, you can use them to summon the highest level special fusion that I ever had access to, which is a level 93 Masakato, or 92-93. And it's, like, it's super good. It, like, uh, if you have this against the last boss, like, he will basically never die. He's just got so much health. Uh, it's not super good on offense, but it's a really good demon to have. And if you do the other one, there's some angels who are like, hey, we're gonna test you, and then can you beat this dragon for us? You go in to fight the dragon, and it's actually... Mother Harlot, which it's like the last, it's like the demon that destroys the world at the end of Revelations. And, um, and then it gives you the ability to summon them, uh, in your special fusions. They're level 90 and are one of, they, I think she has, I think the version that you special summon has a strong spell of every element. So that's pretty great. You know, she's, it's definitely gonna help, uh, round out a team. Um, <clears throat> other than, uh, so, which, are, and the thing, you can actually do both of those if you shift your alignment. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys, if this was in the game for you guys, but back in Antlia, in the fairy, in the, in the little fairy city that you can mm-hmm. make, uh, the fairyland establishment area, there's a goblin who's digging in the ground, and if you talk to him, he'll say, I'm digging to try to find something, 
And basically you have two options that shift your alignment. You can either watch him, dig something up, and then then take it from him by force, and it shifts you to chaos. Or you can just, or you can dig with him to help him, and then let him keep the thing, and it shifts your alignment to law. And you can do this an unlimited number of times. So it's it's free alignment change to whatever you want it, want your alignment to be, huh? Which is kind of nice for being able to do both of these quests. But uh, yeah, the, there's also two other quests that are actually alignment exclusive. After, they're after the lock in, and basically you go back to Groose and you talk to either Mostema or Grendel, whichever one you didn't murder, and is like the your alignment guy, and they will send you to meet Seraph if you're Law or Mara. If you're chaos, and um, that the one you meet tells you to kill the other one, which is basically a pretty tough boss fight. They're like a level nine. I think it's like a level ninety boss. But if you win it, you get the uh, the boss who you didn't kill joins up with you and is like you know one of the strongest demons available, and you get the ability to fuse the one you beat. So you you get them both either way, but you can't do it if you're neutral. And they give you the best gun that's available, essentially. So that's kind of, uh, that's that's a kind of a nice bonus for not going neutral. <clears throat> and the last major side quest is kind of it's kind of the big one. It's this is the, what I mentioned where if you go to the uh, if you're in the Angel Sanctum in Groose, the you guys probably would have noticed this at the back of the Angel Sanctum. There's a door guarded by uh, the, a power who's like who just tells you you can't go in here. But in New Game Plus, he's actually replaced with a guy who is... I think, I'm think i pretty sure his, his name tag is actually Suspicious Crewman. <laughs> like, he's very obviously... like he's, he, There's obviously something up with this guy. He sends you through the other half of the Groose dungeon, which, as I mentioned before, is very long. Uh, and uh, eventually you get down to the bottom, and you, uh, you get to the right side of the first floor. It's the opposite side that you fought Maya on. And you fight Alilat, who is, it's the big, it's the demon that looks like a big crystal with like a, a schematic dude on it. It's like a level 84 demon. It's, um, not super hard to beat, but, uh, yeah, when you, uh, you get the ability to summon him and also you get, uh, a thing that lets you map out dark zones, which is kind of nice if you need to do that for some reason. <laughs> at at this kinda... point in the game, yeah. Yeah, you're well past the point where that could really be a super helpful ability, but, you know, you could do it if you want. If uh, you have a weird obsessive-compulsive need to map everything. As, but, uh, so, you do that, the uh, the suspicious crewman fuses with the, uh, some power that was in that area that the Alilit was guarding, and turns in, and turns out to be Metatron, the the voice of God. And uh, his, it's like, hey, thanks for getting that power back for me. I lied to you because I figured you wouldn't help me <laughs> if you knew who I was. Uh, uh, even though, like, it was incredibly obvious. But uh, he And he sends you to, he says, okay, what I need you to do is at the bottom of the last floor of Groose, on basement four, below the bottom, basically, there is... Um, the demons have changed, uh, have chained an aspect of God that the and the de- it's the demiurge is what he what he tells you, and it's essentially the creative force of God that the mothers had stolen and made part of the Schwartzwelt. So it kind of huh. like gives this weird like Prometheus 
theming to the mothers, like having stolen the creative force from God and used it to make Earth and ultimately humans. Um, it's kind of it's, it's interesting, but uh, you're not going to see the end of this quest because, as I have said, this boss is too hard. It is too <laughs> goddamn hard. <laughs> it will kill you in one turn. It is you. I think you can't hurt it with anything other than than almighty damage. Uh, if you ever buff or debuff, he like wipes it and heals himself for a ton. It, it's it's a dumb fight. Don't don't do Megami Tensei extra bosses. <laughs> don't do them. But uh, yeah, it, if, after he if you do beat it, I watched it on YouTube. So don't at me. <laughs> Metatron, uh, Metatron refuses with the demi urge and is like, yes, uh, God has finally regained his power. You can actually stop that and take the Demiurge's power for yourself, if you, and that's like a chaos shift. Uh, or you can, you know, let him do it, and then let him join you, and that's like a law shift. And that's kind of the... Uh, you, you get an, uh, an item that lets you infinitely... It lets you recover MP, but you can use it as many times as you want. And that's kind of the end of that quest. Hmm. It's not... I mean... Okay, I'm not going to say it's not worth it. If you like grinding to be super bosses, there's there are people who like to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you enjoy that, that's good. I but mean, what, I cannot recommend it. What kind of sick mind would like grind ultimate personas or ultimate fusions just for <laughs> one dumb boss? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> when I was younger, I might have done it, but you know, I uh, I cannot cannot recommend it. So, but yeah, it is does have some interesting little lore aspects to it. And but uh, yeah, once yeah, you know, once you've done your extra quests, you should have like a pretty solid team of demons to uh, beat this last boss. Cool. So yeah, with those uh, side quests noted, because I definitely didn't do any of them, uh, and the eggs in tow, we are now on our to Holorogium. Holorogium. Uh, so. It should be pretty simple, go... right, Evan? Like, there's just an yeah. elevator right down to the final boss. Unfortunately, the elevator <laughs> is now out of service, so you get to enjoy probably the biggest dungeon in the game. Gotta take the time to take the scenic <laughs> route. I want to take this floor by floor and explain each and every awful thing this dungeon does to you. <laughs> I want to skip to the end okay. bosses. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Okay, so if you guys mostly didn't do the side quests, then didn't you kind of need this dungeon in order to cap out your team well enough to beat this, this last boss? This dungeon did no favors in helping me cap out for the final boss. I, I, what what demons were you using for your lesser team? demons than I should have for the final boss? <laughs> yeah, the thing that I ran into was like in every other Megaton game, I've had a team for the final boss. I've had a build for the final boss. Like even the ones we haven't covered yet, when I played them, I had a team. Uh, with this one, like we'll get into the specifics of how Memelif works, but like there are a couple of abilities she has that kind of make that impossible. So I had a. The, the answer to what demons I had was, it's like, well, I had like ten of them, and I used them all, and the ones I used at any one time was whoever wasn't dead or unsummoned. <laughs> no, I, I had a bu- I had more than four, too. Like, I had like six or seven. I, well, I was specifically asking, because like a lot of them are those side quest demons yeah. that I ended up using. So if you guys didn't do those, man. Yeah, this is, Oof. that's something I totally Oof. forgot about from my first burn through, was how crucial the side quests are. Uh, because mm-hmm. unlike a lot of other... Uh, SMT games, like, you can kind of ignore some of the side quests, 
you'll get a couple of extra items, some cool gear, but like they're not super, super crucial. Uh, but here, if you ignore the side quests, you're you're straight up locked out of some of the most important fusions of the game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so let's to answer your question. Play. Password demons and a <laughs> lot of grinding for Maca. <laughs> yep. That's that's Ooh, that was my approach. So to uh, advance in Hellorgulium, you uh, start at the top, and then every about two or three levels, you unlock another staircase that lets you get back to the top. So you're slowly unlocking shortcuts through your descent. Uh, it's it's like the Dark Souls of Shimagami. Very true. <laughs> I'm sorry. In this sorry, first, in the first level, you get the, a huge maze of uh, darkness rooms, um, which you can you visual you can visualize those, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they don't yeah. show up on your map, which is mm-hmm. the really annoying part of that. Uh, then the second floor <laughs> is filled with one-way um, conveyor belts. In a very confusing layout, even when you have a map, you have to be very careful on which one you step. Third basement floor. Uh, that one actually was just a bunch of really long hallways. Fourth basement floor. Uh, mostly, like, uh, damage room stuff. Uh, there are a lot of... Uh, there, there's a miniature teleportation puzzle on the fourth floor where you have to go to one part of the map through a teleport then find the right switch. Uh, no, I'm sorry, then find the right other teleport. But check this out. Only on the full moon oh. does it lead to the correct location. Oh. Yeah, I was going to bring mm. that up. Yeah, there's a demon who's like, well, I thought I thought that this was the right one, but someone says maybe it only works on the full moon, <laughs> which is supposed to key you in, that you have to spider sense which one of these teleporters <laughs> you need to take on the full moon in order for so it to So check it work. out. You do that, you open the door to where the other, uh, to where another three sets of teleporter hallways are. Only one of them leads to the proper location, and the other two just send a, sort of send you wherever, and you gotta do the whole puzzle over again. <laughs> so on the fifth floor, um... You have this really wide open space, and the map doesn't auto-complete correctly. You uh, you will be shown spaces where it looks like the map is on the edge, but if you push against the wall, you'll just sort of walk out into the oblivion and uh, just well, sort of create your own path. Yeah, that's because there's an. That's because if you watch the top screen, there's invisible floors, mm-hmm. and the thing can't map the edges of invisible. It, it can't map invisible floors until you walk. And out. if you're on the chaos path, that's where you fight Mustema for the final time. Um, so the next floor introduces these lava blocking tiles that will just pop up in the middle of hallways and just block your progress. This one's basically a maze. It's kind of cute. When you get to the left-hand side, there's a teleporter maze again. But this one is just find the path that's not a teleporter because all the teleporters lead to the same spot. Then you just have to make your way to an elevator, go down, go across, go up, and end up on the same floor... Then go north, then go down to uh, then you then you have to start solving this meta puzzle on floor seven, where you have to <laughs> approach the same door from three different ways, so you can finally unlock it and progress north. <laughs> you combine this with a um, with a uh, with a uh, shoot. What do you call it when you uh, switch paths to path A, path B? Uh, the 
uh, sanctum uh, analyzer phase or whatever shift. it is. So you, oh yeah, phase you, shift, yeah. So you have to combine that with a phase shift, and I believe you have to use both A and B to unlock both uh, two sides of the door. Then once you have that door cleared, you can go to floor eight, which is actually just a straight line. Well, well, part of the reason seven's so complicated is because that introduces invisible walls for the first uh-huh. time. <laughs> And then eight is just a straight yeah, shot, eight's, isn't it? Eight's a straight yeah. shot. Nine's a straight shot. Once you're finally on nine, it's time for the final boss. Um, so who who wants to go oh, really, first? Really, really. I mean, mine's the most different. I guess I should I should go first, right? Well, there's there's a couple things uh, on the way to the boss that we might have hit up that's a little bit different from what you did. Sure. Uh, th- yeah. Uh, the- I don't even remember this Scotty boss. It, I don't remember fighting her. It was technically a boss just in ter- just because like she has dialogue and it's set up like a boss, but it's like those bosses when you were uh, getting the eggs. It's like two, three turns yeah. that are down. Uh, the big one mm-hmm. here is uh, Jimenez, who he's not he's not as hard as like the law ending final boss Jimenez, but he's fairly tough. He's about as hard as the Zelenin was. Uh, so depending on the t- depending on how high level your demons are, he can be kind of. Um, uh, kind of a level check before you get down to Nimelef. Um He's pretty surprised that you made it that far. He never thought he would actually have to fight you. And uh, in kind of a weird tangent, at a certain point, he's like, actually, now that I think about it, you didn't really make it this far on your own. The only reason you're here is because this demonica of yours is getting stronger and stronger and is doing all this work for you. And now that I think about it, I'm the one that showed you how to use that demonica. So if you think about it, you wouldn't have gotten anywhere without me. And I'm like, well, do we really want to go down this road, Mr. Fuse with the Demon? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's also very convinced that what he is doing is saving humanity and what you are doing is destroying it. Uh, regardless of what path you're on, he thinks you are on the wrong one. Uh, well, obviously not if you're on Chaos. Uh, but yeah, if you're at this point, whether you're law or neutral, he wants nothing to do with you. Um, he's He has a ton of HP. He attacks almost entirely physical uh, with physical and gun attacks and he has a, a, an AOE almighty attack that's that's pretty nasty and um, kind of like how with Zelenin she had an ability called left hand that would um, it, this was real nasty by the way it would heal her and increase her agility uh, his has the same thing it's called right hand and it heals him and buffs his abilities um, and his gimmick oh, is sh- that his elemental weakness is different every turn uh, so you have to kind of man. I'm wondering is that is that a reference to the left hand and right hand of God, or a reference to the quote that darkness is the left hand of light and light the left hand of darkness? I don't know. <laughs> I also don't remember which one was which hand. Uh, I might have gotten <clears throat> mixed up, but um, yeah. So it's basically a matter of like throwing elemental stuff at him, uh, trying to hit his weaknesses and, and toggle uh, demon cooperation. Um, this is at this point. In, in the game, I, it seems like the developers wised up to a certain cheesy strategy that I never would have used, where you summon a bunch of low-level demons that can reflect every single element and physical and gun. And if you use that in these with these last series of bosses, it'll trigger a very, very nasty counterattack the next turn uh, to kind of stop to, to kind of curb huh. that absolutely despicable tactic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after, after he's done. Uh, you get a little cutscene. He's he's mostly just surprised. He's not angry. He honestly didn't expect that any human could beat him now that he's this strong. And uh, Arthur kind of chimes in, and in a little moment of humanity, he says, like, hey, I know I know, killing Comrade is absolutely terrible. It's tough. I'm not going to tell you to forget it and move on, because it is a bad thing, and forgetting it doesn't help anyone. Um, and so long as humans are capable of sin, 
uh, killing your comrades will be necessary. Uh, but he says that as he says, I am a thinking being, and as a thinking being that can act independently, I bear sin too. And I'm responsible for putting you on this path that led you to kill your comrade and your friend. Uh, the only way we can, the only way we can recover from our sins is to finish our mission, which is the most humanity you've gotten out of Arthur at this point, by far. Yeah, this is like a really, I don't know, I thought it was a pretty interesting 11th hour plot point to just be like, oh yeah, and by the way, here in the last sector of the game, Arthur's adventures have also, like, caused him to gain humanity, like. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> kind of late, kind of late to introduce that idea, considering he was like fine with you know mind controlling and murdering everyone like a uh, a few floors ago. Yeah, but I do. I think it's pretty neat. You know, mm -hmm. the, the whole learning AI thing is always a fun plot point. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, you get through all this. We've done all this crap. Oh, right, we get down to. Yeah, I think. I think. I'm sorry. I, did you have? More I think. I think Brian wanted to take the first uh, the first swing at the boss. Yeah, you guys are gonna. You guys okay, are gonna yeah, have yeah, more yeah. to talk about than I do. Um, so, guys, I didn't beat this game legit. No. I did not at all. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, I know. <sighs> I'm I know. shocked. My half of the amulet and all that. Um, <laughs> so, listen. The Chaos Boss sucks. Or may say, this is, did we have the end game conversation, or did we sort of have that around recording this and not get any of it on a record? That was before we recorded. So listen, audience. Yeah. The end game of Strange Journey is very mean. Here is how the devs intend you to play this game. They really want it to be a dungeon crawl. They want you to play it over the series of months with as much time as possible for it to be a slow and, and uh, steady struggle towards the top. Uh, playing games like this for a podcast is obviously not very conducive to that kind of play style. Um... So what ended up happening for me was I got to the final boss around level 70, a little less actually, like like 69 I want to say. My uh, demons were all at about low 60s, uh, and I had no problems pretty much with the other bosses in this game, uh, or at least for this episode we're recording right now. The, all the bosses we've talked about, I pretty much got past pretty easily but once I got to this final boss, I could find no strategy that was effective. At best, I maybe got her health about halfway down before she uh, totally wiped my party. I was completely out of healing items. Uh, Zelenin is the final boss on the Chaos Path. She does a lot... All of her attacks basically hit everybody. She has one super strong lightning attack that strikes everybody. And she also has Wave of Death, which could very likely uh, destroy your entire party on the first turn without anybody taking a move. What's the setup for this fight in law? Like, do you just get down to the bottom and she's standing in front of Memeleth and challenges you? Or Memeleth, actually you fight her uh, near the vanishing point. I forgot. In Chaos, you go to down to Memeleth. She basically tells you, great, you got here, you did it. Now go to the vanishing point. Here's the key to get out of here. I forgot about that. So you actually go to fight Zelen and you go to the top of Sector E, uh, where there was floor 1, 2, and 3, and floor top. So you go to the top floor, and you fight her there, and she's very, very powerful. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, most of my attempts ended within two, term, two turns. Uh, after I had spent about three hours grinding and preparing the mission, and still got wiped out in three turns, I just sort of threw in the towel... 
I did download a save uh, for a neutral path that was near the end with a, a good demon loadout for the neutral demon path and finished it just to say I did. Um, basically, if you don't have the ability Jihad, it's very, very hard to beat Zelenin. Like, incredibly so. You need a, a very specific setup. There's not a lot of room, wiggle room. Like, you need your... Uh, your personal armor to reflect both curse and expel, and you need demons that hopefully reflect both. If you reflect one or the other, the, the attack more or less will still hit. And I was able, a few attempts, to get like three debilitates and three luster candies on. And even with those in place, it was uh, just completely unwinnable. Wow, that's actually kind of nicer than the neutral version, because if you start buffing or debuffing against Mimalef, she's uh, she wipes all of it and heals herself for like a thousand health. Yeah. Which is, you know, just at all, just one attack, not even the three stacks? Uh, she has a chance to do it at one and two stacks, because I learned after a while, like, taking a few runs at it, to not use Jihad. Uh... Like, you just can't... You... You have to use Mejidolon instead of Jihad, because she's going to wipe those debuffs and set you back. Uh, yeah, D Jihad seems to be the only real way to do any damage to Zelenin that's uh, not just artificial. She has something like uh, 1,500 HP, and at this point my attacks were doing 200 if I was lucky. Yeah, I don't actually, I don't disagree at all, because it didn't really happen on this run, but my first time through this game, I think I got to Mem Aleph... Uh, putting 80 hours into the game, I'd played it like a fuck ton, and, uh, but hit that last boss, and it, it is a solid level wall. You, I had to spend, like, another 20 hours or so grinding, just solid level grinding in order to get strong enough to beat that last boss. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a pretty serious design problem at the end of, like, I, I didn't dislike Groose and Horologium the way you guys did, really. Like, I, I think those are okay. But this last boss is like, well, don't do that. Don't put this at the end of your game. I'm just yeah. It's not good. I, just, I, don't think I, I don't think I hated the last two sectors. It was more that, like, I felt like the game ran out of steam and the last two sectors wasn't doing, weren't doing anything, like, new or interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I could have taken true. the ending of this game two dungeons ago. Like, all the cool ideas that were in Groose and Horologium are... They could have been done in all the other dungeons, and I would have felt better. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of. I mean, for me, by this point, it's pretty much just you're spending time. You're, the walking time is to tinker with your team. The dungeon itself is not terribly interesting. You just you got to min max your team a little bit. I, but yeah, you know, you're not really you're not wrong. So you win, and Jimenez comes out, and he drops this badass line. You got uh, to Zelenin, He says, "You got the that." You got that angel's body for being willing to die for God. And hey, so you did. Um, <laughs> so he basically, uh, you release the energies of creation on Earth. And um, what's really funny is if you died as a Lenin, it still plays that, uh, that cutscene that shows the Schwarzveld taking over the entirety of Earth. And if you win against, <laughs> if you win against the Lenin, uh, the Schwarzveld takes the entirety of the Earth. Um, and you see what happens after, though. That's the one bonus. And mm. basically, these giant worm monsters uh, come out of the ground and start eating all the humans. And you kill all the humans, and demons rule the earth, and uh, everything is good for the demons. 
wait a minute. They said the demons were going to live in peace with the humans. Nope, by peace they meant killing and flaying and feeding them to giant worm monsters. Lucifer, you lied to me. Then that's the... You can just never never trust a fallen angel. No, that is... A, or really just any angel. Just don't trust them. Um, <laughs> and that's the chaos ending. Huh. Pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I I, I, guess I was going to bring this up when we did the neutral one, but uh, also, it's kind of a weird thing. By the time you're in Horologium, the plot isn't really progressing anymore. Like, they've kind of just set up what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then you just make it happen. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Like, there's no more twists or anything. Uh, so we might as well just jump into the neutral one. I know, uh, uh, Chris, you wanted to talk about uh, Mimalef, the the first one? Uh, yeah, uh, I think you run into this version of Mimalef in Law, too. Yeah, I'm not do. sure if you fight the em- the embryo version. The first one, is the, it's this giant gold lady. She's, like, lounging relaxedly. She's got three eyes and has a big sun motif behind her. Uh, and she... It's not... Yeah, the... Even the the second version is where the real problems yeah. start. But this first one is not is no cakewalk. Like you, it it is it is this thing like you can't really buff or debuff because she will seriously punish you for that. Um, her light and dark spells they are one hundred percent hits. So you know either if you can block if you can block one of them and you have like a store of sacrifices. I don't think we ever mentioned sacrifice. They're an item that lets you not die from getting hit with light or dark. So if you've got like 20 or so of them, you can win the fight without really worrying about it. But uh, you're going to need your demons to to block block both, basically. Uh, but uh, let's see. What, what, else does she, what else does she do in her first form? Uh, she, uh, she can, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, she has this ability called Tragic Reincarnation that is interesting. Um, it does non-elemental damage, which means it can't be reflected uh, because the way – th- we might have talked about this in an earlier boss, but the way reflection works is that every spell that reflects either uh, physical or magical attacks only does it if there's no um, status element associated with it. So if a spell damages and deals a status effect, you cannot reflect it. There's no way of mi- really mitigating it. And so Tragic Reincarnation deals that type of damage – and stones the party and inflicts random status effects. Like it is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. Is this one of those? Is this a, like a response to some action you take? Because I've never seen this. Attack. Yeah, it is a response to reflecting damage. Oh, which okay, which is okay. actually kind of makes it kind of tricky in what sort of demons you have in your party, uh, because she casts uh, like very very strong like p- pure elemental spells at different members of the party. So if mm-hmm. a member of your party just happens to have a reflect somewhere in their abilities it's going to trigger this the next turn. Well, I definitely, I had a demon that reflected when, yeah, my mo- I think my mother hardly reflected wind or something. Maybe it's if you reflect a certain amount of damage. It, it, it could also be like, um, it could also be like a, a priority thing where it, it could be, there was a, there's a, a small chance that it'll reflect or like a medium chance it'll be reflect. It could also be that it was overridden by, uh, by, um, that thing she does that cleanses, uh, uh, that cleanses buffs and debuffs. I think that might, that mm-hmm. might override it. Because it's it's not like a counter where uh, it happens maybe. the same turn. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, when you talk to her, she has this uh, interesting line. Uh, she kind of reiterates a little bit of what a, what the other mothers have said to you. There's no choice in you of the humans that once lived alongside my kind. Humans have fallen so far, becoming nothing but viruses that gnaw away <laughs> the earth. And she said, and she also says, "I am Mim Aleph, she who remembers the earth and speaks for it. 
I will not let Lost Souls cast aside the future or, or destroy it, which I, I think it's kind of funny to think of her as the super Lorax. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, okay. And yeah, she's, uh, we mentioned the elemental versions. I think that's pretty much it. So it's just kind of like, it's just, it's basically just a, a healing management thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, that's basically what you have to do. You, you, I guess this is a weird description of a boss fight, because you could say it for any boss fight. You just kind of have to try and not die. <laughs> <laughs> if you can not die, you will eventually win. Uh, but uh, the the embryo version of Mimalef is, is not as kind. No. Mostly because of this really annoying, horrible ability that should never have been included in the game called MA that I think we might have mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Just to lead into that, what just did, to lead into that real quick. Um, uh, whenever you kill her, she, uh, the original Mim Aleph, uh, she is kind of like taken aback. Like she never thought that a human could ever possibly defeat her. Uh, but then, like she just gets so angry at you, she starts screaming and she says, uh, "I have become naked power, casting off form, casting off reason, casting off my future. My sole desire is to crush your spirits into atoms and disappear into the air." Like <laughs> she basically takes all of her power and strength turns into this weird brain fetus orb and then just declares, I am using every ounce of power I have as this creator deity to kill you and then die. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, she, she's, she's mad. <laughs> uh, but yeah. You have uh, you seriously thwarted her at every turn and you know she's tired of your bullshit. <laughs> and so she turns into an embryo. Is uh, as you do, I guess. Yeah, and that ability that uh, Chris mentioned, uh, Ma, this is this is the reason that I think that this boss is just just a bad decision. Uh, I like everything yeah. about her thematically, uh, but essentially, so Ma is an ability that hits you for exactly as much HP as you have, and then heals you for that same amount of HP. Uh, well, it heals her. Oh, it heals her. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the idea, is that she eats one of your demons, gets its health, and that demon's just dead then. The problem being, it can target the protagonist, and there's no response or defense. Yep. Yeah, the, the only thing you can do is there is um, there's that accessory, that if you do want to wear an accessory and you're not worried about getting stoned from the previous boss fight, um, it'll, once per fight, prevent you from dying from an insta-kill attack, so... You, if you get if you have that accessory, you can get hit by this thing once. Uh, if you get hit twice on the main character, you lose the game. Uh, there's nothing you can do to mitigate it, nothing you can do to defend against it, uh, nothing you can do to anticipate it. It's just if the game rolls the die in a certain specific way, you are going to lose, and that's the end. Of- yeah, if this ability comes up and you hit one on the one d four, you're dead. Yep. Really terrible. And then on top of that, like her, her other like more balanced abilities are still real big pains in the ass. Um, Asura Raga is back. Uh, she will still uh, use that to berserk your party, which is very nasty and um, it can cause tons of problems. Uh, she also has um, an ability that unsummons your demons from the party. So that. Oh yeah. Yeah, this one's kind of an interesting ability, actually. It's it's uh, called Mem. It's named after her, Mem Aleph, and what it does is it picks one of the three alignments: uh, Law, Neutral, or Chaos. Unsummons every demon you have summoned of that alignment, and also it uh, can shift her weakness. She like ha- she has one one uh, elemental weakness. 
I think it can be physical too, but it uh, when she casts this ability, it will sometimes shift. But it's like impossible to find unless you have a uh, that one uh, unless you have that one app on that lets you see which abilities are going to be reflected. Then you can kind of use that to hunt or to hunt for her weakness. But yeah, you know, otherwise it's kind of annoying. Yeah, because it's not like every time she does every time she unsummons one type of demon, that's one type of resistance shows up. It's like a a big cycle. Um, mm-hmm. Oh. I have a, a good tip for if anyone doing this is wants to take a... If anyone listening to this wants to fight this boss, uh, by this point in the game, you should have a bunch of items in your inventory that let you cast essentially like uh, like uh, Aguilau, um, Bufala... You, you have like little rocks that will cast the elemental spells. If you have the Gibo Eyes app on, you can cycle through those and whichever one isn't X'd out... That's her new weakness. Huh. So, you know, you can use that to do it. That's pretty cool. It's a, yeah. It'll work if you have to if you have to resort to that. <laughs> yeah, so if you are lucky and you manage to deal out enough damage before the dice roll one twice, um, you will defeat her. And uh, she she goes down pretty quick. She doesn't moan quite so much. Uh, I do love one line where she straight up says like, Ugh. I am defeated and shall disappear. Which, yeah. Uh, how much power have human? How human? How much power have you gained? But you cannot create. Cannot create a future. And then she fades away. And with Mim Alef defeated, uh, you now have the Sector H exotic matter. Uh, the whole Schwarzwelt starts to shudder and uh, quake, uh, presumably in response to her getting defeated. Uh, Arthur congratulates you and then very, very quickly recalls everyone back to the ship for the ending. Yeah, uh, what happens here in Law, Paul? Uh, in Law, um, you get called back to the ship. Um, basically, no, nothing all the same up until this happens. point has been different, though? What's that? Okay. Uh, nothing up till this point has been really different? No, though? it's exactly the same um, in the Law path up until this point. Huh, okay. You're on, I saw on, that you fight a super version of Jimenez if you're in Yeah, law. you fight Soil yeah. Jimenez, but that's uh, that's down on, like, uh, level 5 or something like that. Huh. Is, that like, is he, like, a major problem? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's kind of a nightmare. But uh-huh. uh, it's pretty much the same fight that uh, Brian uh, outlined. Okay. So what do we have left to say uh-huh. about Strange Journey? Uh, so we have the rest of the neutral ending... Yeah, pretty much, uh, it's not that, there are, like I said, there aren't really any surprises at this point. Like, kind of, the, uh, what happens is you get back on the ship, Arthur's like, okay, carrying out this plan, I'm going, uh, the different, the, the only twist being that he's going to stay here and blow, and, you know, blow up the nuke to destroy the Schwarzwelt, because at this point he's gained enough power and knowledge that he thinks if he goes back to Earth, uh, uh, humans are going to essentially like fight over his knowledge and destroy each other, and they would worship him as a god because he has so much power. So he says he wants to just cut off that possibility here and blow himself up with a Schwarzwelt. Uh, he's and he, uh, but he wants this is his plan. But he's felt fear for the first time, and he asks you to transfer the uh, future seeing power that you got from Gore to him in order to reassure him before he dies. Uh, it's a little, it's a little less clear in the script because he just says power. 
Uh, I, by this point, I had kind of forgotten what the heck that power that Gore transferred to you did. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird scene where he's just like, give me power so I don't feel fear. I'm like, but you're going to die anyway. Uh, I kind of took... Thank you, Evan, for reminding me what the heck the point of the scene yeah, is. I, 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 I kind of took that to mean like... I know it doesn't say this. It doesn't even imply this. But I was like, maybe he's just taking the power because he also doesn't want you to take that back to Earth with you. It's possible. It's, yeah, it's possible that he, he wants to be reassured of his speculation or he's also like... You probably shouldn't go back with that either, or maybe they'll do the same to you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the cut. There's a cut scene. The the ship, the front half of the ship, flies out the vanishing point. The empty engineering section stays behind, uh, and it shows uh, like a camera shot of Arthur of Arthur's little unit in engineering. And uh, doesn't it? I think it, I think it like shows the light turn red or something. Yeah. Like red. Right before the bomb. Yeah. It. it yeah, it shows the little light on his face turn red, and it's like the only time it's done that. And then, like, cuts away. We're back in. We're back in Antarctica. The Schwarzwald explodes, and uh, the, I was a little worried that the Schwarzwald exploding was gonna like destroy a continent or two. <laughs> but apparently, it's apparently it's fine. It just uh, the Schwarzwald evaporates off the face of the Earth. Everyone's standing under the blue skies in Antarctica, talking about you know how relieved they are to be out of there. Uh, they don't mention how cold they would be. Which, you know, I guess that, that would probably ruin the scene at the end of the game here. The drink project calls you and is like, hey, you guys did it. Good job doing it. And that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you get a weird little message at the end that's like, um, the entire world is very surprised by everything that just happened. Like, the news shocks the world. But um, I, I think the, the exact quote is, but it's unknown if they understand the full impact of what was done. Kind of implying that, yeah, like, yeah. unlike all, a lot of the other games where the neutral ending is like, yeah, humanity can now build itself back up from this and do it better. Like, go humans, no more interference from God. Here it kind of sounds like, oh, the Schwarzwald is gone. So anyway, back to what we were doing before that caused all this. Yeah, the, I, w- yeah I was going to, I forgot to bring that up. It's a super somber ending because, like, people have been telling you throughout the game, this is humanity's fault. You did this by not respecting where you came from. By not caring about things, by you know, you know, losing the ability to, by like losing all these powers you were born with and giving them up for power, and at the, the, the stinger at the end of the game is like you kept doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I really do. It's it's kind of it's kind of a, a harsh stinger to put on top of all the other all the characters are like. Eh, the, the characters are all happy. They mm-hmm. don't. They are not thinking about this. The narration is what introduces this idea of like, yeah, but you kind of didn't solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so the law ending, uh, what happens? Uh, yeah, there is one difference after you beat Memelef, uh Mastema shows up, and he's the one who sends you back to the uh, vanishing point. And so you go back to the vanishing point, and uh, you and uh, Zelenin are standing outside of the vanishing point, and uh, you, uh, the cosmic eggs, like, raise from you, uh, in addition to the uh, um, exotic matter that you've gotten, and uh, they show the vanishing point sort of, like, that, you know, these energies going into the vanishing point. And then uh, Zelenin tells you you've done a great job, and et cetera, et cetera, and uh, humanity is now going to be united. 
and it goes, uh, it cuts to a view of the Earth, and the uh, hole that's been the Schwarzfeld at the bottom of the Earth is overtaken in this blue light, and then this blue light comes and consumes all the planets. And then uh, it goes to uh, a city, a cityscape, and um, it's just like skyscrapers as far as the eye can see. Uh, and they all kind of look like buildings from, uh, was it Aerodanus, when you go into the like white building? Yeah. Yeah, they all look... Yeah, when there's like buildings with TV screens on the side? Yeah, they all kind of like look like those. They're just these like white cubes that I, you know, the text says are supposed to be skyscrapers. And there are people on top of all the skyscrapers, like masses of people. And they're all singing in praise to God, and they're all united uh, as one, following um, Lennon's song. And then it goes to another shot, and it's just like this, you know, endless field of skyscrapers with people on top of the skyscrapers, and they're all worshipping this uh, kind of fuzzy... Uh, looks like crucified Jesus figure off in the background, but the text says that it's uh, Zelenin that they're singing in praise to. Um, yeah, we well we didn't mention it before, but Pillar Zelenin does have like a crucified motif okay. to her visual. Okay, yeah. So I didn't fight Pillar Zelenin, so that was a that was a new thing for me. Um, and then that is pretty much the end of the game. Okay, nice. So that's a strange journey. That is... It has been a very strange journey. <laughs> what a strange journey. <laughs> but the real strange journey was the friends we made along the way. So I'm pretty excited for Persona 5, guys. How about you? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, coming up, we did originally have plans to play some other games uh but we want to play persona 5 when it comes out so we're gonna play persona 5 when it comes out did we have anything yeah. else we wanted to announce any other admin to get out of the way no that's pretty much it i'm curious how long it's gonna take us all to play through persona 5. I, I feel like that'll be a lot faster i have an ongoing i've been saying two weeks the entire time um it took me about a week and a half to beat persona 4 so i'm gonna say two weeks damn week and really? a half wow I spent a lot longer than that playing Persona I, I spent every waking moment playing Persona 4 when I got my hands on it. And that was... I went to Chicago in the middle of playing Persona 4, so I, like, oh, left wow. the state and all that. Damn, Brandon. I am. <laughs> um, you have your, your Code Red and your Cheetos slamming that shit down. That's the yeah, first I, of all. While learning about first friendship. First of all, Cheetos are disgusting. And second, I don't drink soda, so... Um, <laughs> I've been taking a very like leisurely pace through uh, Breath of the Wild, and then it just hit me that Persona Five is coming out in two weeks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to, you know, uh, maybe uh, kick that up a notch. So let's yeah. all let's all enjoy our SMT vacation because boy, I need a break <laughs> from these demons at this point. I've been playing near to try and get ready for, to try and I need to finish it so I can play the sequel. <laughs> Good luck. All right. Well, I, I gotta get to bed, yeah. so... Okay, let me do this real quick. Hey, Evan, knock, knock. Who's there? Uh, life he. <laughs> life he who? <laughs> life ho. Life is not fair. Thank you and good night.